Hey everybody, happy new year. Happy 2017. It's Ryan. Um, and I am <laughs> recording this message uh, because we wanted to give you something a little weird, different, special, uh, I guess this Monday, January 2nd. Uh, I know this episode's coming out a little later than it usually does in the morning, but uh, I wanted to put something up there. Um, some of you may know, uh, a bunch of you may not, that I used to have another podcast. I've done many podcasts in the past, and uh, one of my favorite that I did was called Save As Games. And Save As Games was kind of an interview format show where I would talk to uh, content creators or people that have worked on games before, and just generally ask them about times in their life or even their entire story, you know, kind of start to where they were at that moment. And so uh, you've heard us talk about on this show a few times uh, the Kind of Funny crew and Colin Moriarty specifically, uh, who is sort of a PlayStation prognosticator. But uh, he's, he's certainly a guy who's not only enigmatic, but uh, is very opinionated. So it was really great to sit down and talk with him. Uh, this was March 14th of 2015. So this is around sort of PAX East. And this was pretty new into the kind of funny uh, adventure after Colin, Greg, Nick, and Tim all had left IGN. So I was able to sit with Colin, uh, talk about that sort of stuff now. As this was a less experienced podcast uh, by me and uh, sort of a fly-by-night sort of hotel interview, um, you'll notice that the audio quality is not the typical show audio quality. But uh, nevertheless, I wanted to share it with you guys. This is sort of uh, an interesting thing. So that being said, we're going to be back next week uh, with some all-new shows for 2017 very excited to share those with you, and uh, I hope you enjoy this episode from Save As Podcast, um, now part of the Pixels Weekly Archives. All right, bye. Thank you for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. You're from Long Island. Yes. So, East Coast guy. Yes. I'm an East Coast guy, too. But you're living on the West Coast now. Yes. How did, how did you get to the West Coast? Uh, <laughs> I know, that could, be, that could be the whole thing. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, when I chased this dream of being a games journalist or writer or whatever, mm-hmm. I, that's where you have to be. I mean, there's, you don't see to go to Minneapolis for Game Informer or whatever. I mean, there's nothing going on anywhere but in San Francisco or in Northern California for ga- the games journalism scene. Yeah. At least when I started. Now Kotaku and Polygon have some people in New York and Boston and stuff. But So, I mean, I just... I went there. I mean, I don't like California. I, I've never really been been uh, shy about saying that. Uh, yeah. But I'm there because that's that's what I have to be. I am an East Coast New York person, and that's where I'd love us to be. I'd love for kind of funny to be there, too, but it's just not possible. So. Right. Um, so that's how I ended up there. It's just that that's where I needed to be. Um, following this whole freelance and interning experience when I graduated from Northeastern, I went, and it's been mm-hmm. been a long time. It's going quickly because it's been almost eight years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it so, in your estimation, it's not worth the weather? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, people have this really, this huge misconception of San Francisco um, that it's 
tropical and nice, and it's not. Uh, oh, really? No, not at all. Uh, if you go north of San Francisco, so like East Bay, North Bay, like Marin and wine country and stuff like that, sure. it gets really hot. And if you go south to Silicon Valley, it gets really hot. But there's something mm-hmm. about the peninsula, which is what they call it. So it's like San Francisco, sure. Daly City, and San Bruno and stuff where um, it's just always 50 or 60 degrees all year. It's overcast. And I've had people visit me thinking that's like Los <laughs> it's Angeles. It's like Seattle. Yeah. And it's I'm like, it's not, I mean, that's what I actually. If there's something I do like about San Francisco, I like many things about San Francisco, to be honest. But if, I, yeah. if there's something I like about it, it's the weather. It's always there's no seasons. It's, right. it's just the same all year. There's something to being able to count on it. Yeah, with the exception of you know, so we have like an Indian summer for like two or three weeks in September or October, where it gets like oh, really? 80-ish. Yeah, for some reason I have no idea why. And then rainy season begins and it rains for two or three months, and then it's just for nine months, nine or ten months, it's just the same. Hmm. And. Uh, so, so yeah, the weather the weather is n- nice there as opposed to being here where it's you know you forget how I forgot how cold the city is. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, even in New York now, because I, I used to drive when I lived up here, and now in New York I'm walking everywhere and I'm getting more in touch with the cold than I ever have before. Yeah, oh man, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember the moment where, like, you kind of video games became a thing like you underst- like this is something different it was introduced into your life who introduced it uh, my brother introduced me to video games he's he's 11 years older than me he's the oldest I have two sisters and a brother he's the oldest and I'm the youngest so mm-hmm. we have we're spread apart but, oh, okay um, not he, a lot of bathroom time between yeah, we, we, we grew up <laughs> thankfully we grew up in like a nice big house and sure. my parents treated us good with the amenities so we didn't have too much of that <laughs> plus they're like all older than me so like by the time I was six my brother was going to college seven so it was like sure um, but he's the one who introduced it to me and he was really into 2600 and nes um and i remember i have very vague memories and you know like when you have memories and you're not even sure if they're real anymore because you've thought of that memory so much yeah yeah, yeah. but if I it's rem- just a story you've told yourself yeah over exactly and over again, but or if you- i remember being in my dad's mazda truck with my uh with my brother um and my dad going into new york city when I was really young, like two or three, to get the NES in, the, in Manhattan because we were from Long Island, mm-hmm. and I remember that really well. And getting, you know, getting this console and it opening my eyes at a very young age, like where I, I didn't really ever know a world without video games. I wasn't sure. always cognizant of a world without video games. But it's even I was kind of a big deal that they had to go to the city to get it. Yeah, well, yeah, New York was a test market, and and um, in '85 or '86 or whatever it was, and so I just remember, I remember like doing something like that, and then being introduced to this to to this world you know I'm 30 now so like 26 27 years it's like been a part of my life mm-hmm. um, and so I remember I remember the early games that we played and and me just becoming indoctrinated by games in a way like where it was just like yeah, I yeah. really loved these games and I really loved watching my brother play especially I like to play too I mean I I tell people and it's I'm dead serious like I was like really young when I was beating like some really hard games like mm-hmm. I was like five six beating Kid Icarus and yeah and I was way better at games when I was a kid than I am now. I don't know. Because <laughs> you really dedicated yourself to sure. it. Sure. Well, and I don't know. If you hit me after, if I get, like, two, three beers in me, then I become much better at video games, and then there's a kind of a precipitous fall off Yeah, no, I, I understand. I hear that. It's like, when you have no, like, when you're a kid and you have no money, no concept of buying a game, like, you just get what you get or you rent a game, you become, right. like, really a master at that game. And it's funny talking to my brother now, who's 41, and he has kids of his own, and He's been telling me that his son, who's five or six now, is, like, obsessed with Mega Man, which was, like, my first gaming obsession, yeah, 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 really. Yeah. And 
how they just play it and enjoy it, and he watches him play, and so I'm like, it's so weird. It's like a generational thing. So that's, I mean, that sure. was my introduction to games, and I never, with the exception of one year in college where I didn't play games um, for some reason. Uh, you just had other shit going on. Yeah, that was a weird thing, too. I don't know what the hell was going on then, but I played games, like, almost every day mm-hmm. since then, yeah. I... Uh, it's weird because when I think of like going back and my first experience with games, I can tie certain games to like TV shows or sm- or just like Absolutely. I remember sitting in the living room, like the again this could be a story I'm telling myself, mm. but like I had sour cream onion potato chips and where in the world is Carmen San Diego is like kicking around in the background, and I'm just playing Mario World like it's nobody's business. Yeah, I didn't I'm, care about anything else. It's funny you say that because there are these weird connections between non-gaming things and gaming things. The, the example I always use, and it's the fucking weirdest example, but it's true, is when I got Mega Man 6 mm-hmm. on NES, I was obsessed with eating banana oatmeal for some reason. <laughs> and my dad used to buy these boxes, like these, these Quaker oat boxes, where there was only two things of banana and then everything else in there, and I just wouldn't eat them. So sure. <laughs> and like, so banana, like the scent of banana or taste of banana when I'm eating, like, yeah, like oh. Mega Man 6. <laughs> Which is so weird. That's like the biggest. The, that is like literally the strongest non-gaming connection I have to a game. Where like I'll see, I'll like spell it out and be like Mega Man Six. Mm-hmm. Now I I have a different Mega Man experience than you because my first Mega Man was Mega Man X. That's a great game. I love 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 Mega Man X. And then when I like after playing X, I went back and tried some of the other Mega Mans, and it it felt like this style I was not accustomed to, mm-hmm. and this sort of there were obviously familiar elements and. They almost, I don't know if they, like, reuse different characters in different ways across those series. Like, I feel like Dr. Light wasn't, he was a guy, or, like, yeah, we Light Robotnik was, versus Wily. Yeah, Light and Wily were always in a role. Mega Man, Rush, Proto Man. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, otherwise they, I mean, those, not all those characters are in every game, but um, Dr. Kosak and all those guys. Yeah, it was, like, it was just, X was its own, I remember getting X2. I lived in Maine at the time. Yeah. X-T-O-O, not X2. Oh. And, um... I remember being snowed in and, and like getting the game and then it snowed and I played that game and I was mm-hmm. I was actually really impressed by it and I loved it but yeah. it's the X series doesn't <laughs> touch me the way the classic series sure, does and I, I do sure. think it has something to do with like I you was were freaked saying, out that I couldn't wall jump and like <laughs> yeah the classic Mega Man series is way harder than X oh but, yeah um, it's super hard I, th- I do think it has something to do with like what you were introduced to it with because I think even people that were introduced with Legends or Star Force or Battle Network like they yeah, like yeah. those Mega Man games and I'm like that's unfathomable to me but <laughs> Man, um, oh man, I remember Mega Man Legends. Was that that was the 3D one, right? Yeah, it was a PS1 game, kind of like '98. I remember playing that game and just kicking a can around for yep. like a long time. Yeah, it was a weird game. Uh, People really love that game. I have no idea why, to be honest. It's, it's fine. It's just not. I think it was one of those games that in a period of my life I liked only because you're a kid and you can't afford to buy your own games. So yeah. every game you have, you put like 1,500 hours. Yeah, into. absolutely. It's a different time. Um, so games become part of your life. When did you say this is? a job that I could do. This is, like, something people get paid to do. Yeah, I think it's weird because I, like, I... I started getting paid to write about them when I was 18, when I just started... Like, I was about to start Northeastern, and... Um, or around that time, because I actually started, I guess, when I was 17. Well, how did... Was that a transaction of you went reached out to outlets and said, look, I can write no, about this? No, they, they approached me, actually. The, the So I started writing about games when I was, like, 13 or 14, but just in, like, a way where it was, like... I wrote for GameFAQs. All that stuff's still up. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually read them sometimes. I'm like, they're not bad. <laughs> um, and uh, I wrote for, like, some fan sites. I don't exist anymore. exist anymore. And I kind of just did it for fun. I just liked it. There's something meticulous in OCD about writing a strategy guide. Sure. And I liked it. I really enjoyed doing it. I have no yeah. idea why. 
Like, I just, and back in the day, there were a ton of games that were basically not playable without one. Yeah, exactly. And and I would go on GameFAQs and just find that, not necessarily the games that had gaps, but games I think I could write better guides than already existed. So I, I wrote for the Mega Mans and Castlevanias and Zeldas and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of never really gave it much thought. It was just a hobby. It was a, a really time-consuming hobby, but it was a hobby nonetheless. And I got a kind of a surprise email from IGN in, like, September of 2002 where they were opening their Facts channel. Because I don't know if you remember, like, IGN and GameFAQs used to be in the same network. Sure. And then yeah, GameFAQs yeah. went on their own, like, went on their own. I don't know, really know what happened, but IGN wanted to open their competitor. So they were reaching out to all the fact writers of GameFAQs to see if they can host their Facts too. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then they emailed me back and, like, by the way, do you want to write, like, we need a strategy guide. It was for Spyro Enter the Dragonfly on PS2. Mm-hmm. And, um... We'll give you $200 if you write it, I think it was. And, yes, uh, please. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, all right, sure. And like, and then it just snowballed into, I wrote, I ended up writing 94 strategy guides, I think. Um, and these were all PlayStation strategy no, guides? No, they were for everything. Password. It was mostly Nintendo at first and some random stuff. And then, yeah, so from 2002 until I stopped writing guides in 2009-ish, 2010, mm-hmm. I wrote, yeah, 94 of them. And, and a lot of open world RPG guides, like big guides. I think my Fallout 3 guide was 600,000 words. Dear God. Um, <laughs> But so that's kind of how it began. Mm-hmm. And then it just became, it's not one of those things where I begged people. It was really quite the opposite where it was, oh, they didn't beg me, but they, they approached me. And I, I, that's why I always say, like, I think I'm the only person that was actively like, re- approached by yeah, IGN yeah, yeah. and then actively offered a job without asking for it too when I graduated college. So, really? Um, like I didn't apply for the job they offered it to me. So That's, um, that's great. Man. Yep. So it was just, I think I just showed a lot of, um, Desire. Once it was given to me, I was like, oh, shit, I can do this. Because I was going to school for history, and I still love history more than video games. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tell people that. My favorite game is chess, and my favorite <laughs> thing in the world is is history but yeah. um, and politics. But I was like, oh, I could do this. And so then I went out there and interned uh, for a summer in 2004. I went out for a little bit in 2003, too, but I spent an entire summer in San Francisco in 2004. They got to know me. I went to my first E3. Yeah. Um, and then when I graduated Northeastern in 2007, in May, uh, like a week or two later, they were like, hey, like Jason Allen, who is this guy that used to work there, who went to Capcom, okay. uh, he's leaving. We have a job opening. Would you like it? And uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. And I moved, and that was it. That's why wow. I've never, and I've <laughs> never been to Boston since until right yeah, now. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so that's how it all kind of went down. It was very rapid and very fortuitous. I always say to people, I wasn't the most talented writer. And I'm not the most talented writer. I think I'm good, but I don't think I'm like the most talented writer. I was. I didn't have the most. I didn't have the most um, connections or the most knowledge. I just had a lot of drive and work ethic. Um, and I think those things matter. You know, I never pretend like I got the opportunities I, were give, I was given because of my f- fucking sheer, yeah, Ian Rand, you know, <laughs> talent. Where I was like, you know, right. I'm the best. It's like. The, str- the cream rises to the yeah, top. Yeah, I mean, I think that I stuck around because I was good and that I had work ethic and drive and, sure. and climbed the ladder at IGN too, but um, I was really lucky, you know, <laughs> really lucky. Let's fast forward for a second because uh, when you talk about that, it, it, it brings me to the inflection point of you guys having to decide to leave IGN. I can only imagine how, how long were you there? Uh, as an editor, seven and a half years, and as a freelancer and an editor and an intern, almost 12. Yeah, so I was at a place for five years, and it was pretty hard for me to walk away from that place. Yeah. So it must have, I can only imagine it was kind of excruciating it for you w- to walk away. <laughs> it was, I mean... In some respects. It, yeah, it was. It's funny because we had so much lead time. We quit in October. IGen asked us when we agreed to stay till the end of the year. Yeah. Um, and then there was conversations Not exactly about, easy wrecks to fill. No, and I think that, um, you know, 
Nick was basically second in command in the video team. Greg was the host. Tim was like one of the really important producers there, and I was the senior editor. So those were four uh-huh. senior positions to fill. Um, and we went back and forth with IGN about, you know, would we stay, would we go? But ultimately, we decided to go. And I think that because we had such a huge lead time, I remember when I was home for Comic-Con New York on Long Island, I got really sick. And I don't know if people, some people out there probably remember, I was like really sick. Hmm. And my, I have terrible stomach problems. And a lot of this we couldn't really say at the time was like, I was so fucking nervous, you know, yeah. about like what we were doing. I remember, um, so September, so a month before Comic-Con, we launched our Kind of Funny Patreon. That launched when I was in Japan. And um, we got feedback um, from, you know, I was getting feedback through the guys that were still in the States that iGen wasn't really thrilled with what we were doing. Sure, um, right. And because people know you as games people. Right. Right. And, but we weren't, we weren't trying to do games. And that wasn't... Right. See, this wasn't, I, I remember this wasn't very like, specifically there was, we're not doing games. Yeah, exactly. And this wasn't supposed to be like some sort of Trojan horse either. Like, we really just were throwing it out there. Yeah. And be like, well, you know, it's, they're not really competing products. Mm-hmm. But there, there, there were some upset feelings and some hurt feelings. And um, I remember at that point being really nervous because I was in fucking... I was across the Pacific Ocean. So I was yeah. like by myself. And I remember FaceTiming with Greg specifically... Being like, what's going on? Are they going to fire us? Um, and he was like, no, everything's fine. And, you know, I talked to the editor-in-chief, uh, you know, Steve. He was just like, we well, should talk when you get back. And I'm like, are you going to recall me? Like, are you going to fire me? Should I come home? And uh, he was like, no, it's fine. And, 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 and to, to iGen's credit, like, and I, I especially want to give a shout-out to Fran Pear and Tao. So, Ta, like, Pear is, like, really the founder of the site. Tao mm-hmm. is uh, his, his kind of second-in-command. And Fran's the head of the video team. were really good to us. Really nice to us. Really patient. Really wanted to hear what we were doing. And... Um, we were really excited about the, the way Kind of Funny's Patreon went so that when we got home and we, we get, began to convene, we were like, shit, like, yeah. what if we did this? You know, like, Suddenly what if we actually just, what if we viable. did? Yeah, and then, so fast forward to October when I'm at Comic-Con, and again, I'm not with them. Sure. You know what I mean? And again, all these things are happening. Yeah. So, like, it, it, was, it was kind of isolating for me. And the guys know this, like, because it was just happenstance. Like, yeah. I was in Japan when the first one launched. And then when we were deciding to leave, I was in New York. And they were, so I was in my dad's workshop in Long Island, like, sitting Indian style on, the, on his work, workbench, like, talking oh, man. to him on the cell phone. Like, like what are we going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was, like, getting really like nervous. you like 12 years old all over again in that scenario? Yeah, it was, it was insane. Like, you know, Greg especially was really gung-ho about it. And I really trust Greg, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um... He wanted to do it, and he felt good about it. And I was like, well, Greg's gotten me this far. So um, he's my brother, and I trust him completely. And I got, you know, so we decided to do it when I was in New York. But I got really sick because, like, physically sick for a long time. Sure. Because I was like, my body just couldn't take it. I was really stressed out. But the advantage was that because we had such a huge lead time that by the time we left in late December, I didn't want to be there anymore. Like, we we really got... We got, we're getting excited and pumped up, right. you know? And I think what people kind of, you know, a lot of people it's have asked senioritis me... senioritis plus, you know, having made this decision but not quite being able to fulfill it. I, exactly. We were desperate to tell people, you know, yeah. like the... But we couldn't. We agreed not to, and we didn't want to. We actually didn't want anyone to know. We couldn't believe it leak, didn't leak either. Right. Like, that was another thing, but... Because um, a lot of people knew. But um, what a lot of people ask me is, like, well, how can you walk away from a place like that and a job like that? I'm like, it wasn't easy. I owe them everything. I really do. I owe them yeah. everything. Like, my job, my life would be very different without IGN. And sure. I'm always thankful for them, and I always rep them. I always kid around. I can't change my PSN name, but my PSN name is Moriarty-IGN, <laughs> and I'm kind of proud of that. Like, I, yeah. that's my legacy. And and they were good to me, and Parent Town, Fran, and those guys, Chris Carl, and Mark Ryan Silly. Like, a lot of guys gave me a lot of opportunities, and I'm thankful for that. But when people ask me that, I'm like, you have to understand that I wasn't really 
happy anymore. Yeah. And like that's a lot. Of, that's the thing that a lot of people lose sight of and maybe can't understand when you have a job sure. like that is like I didn't want to do that anymore. And, right. and the other guys felt the same way. It's like, did I have more to give? Sure. Did I have more to learn? Sure. But like I wasn't happy. Yeah. And even if kind of funny goes belly up, and who the hell knows what happens with it? Might you know? Um, I don't have any regret about leaving because I just wasn't. My heart wasn't in it anymore. Sure. And, that, and that's something to really hard to convey to people. You know. So. Well, I mean, yeah. You and there's that extra level of it, which is you care about IGN. You're thankful for what they did for you, and you know that they don't deserve you know a collection of people who are phoning it in essentially. Exactly, and that's why I, I tried to leave them in a really good position where, you know. Um, I wrote up everything I knew. I wrote up everyone I know. I, I gave mm-hmm. them all these contacts, all these people they can talk to. I tried to leave them in the best possible position because I was like, it's the same thing with Podcast Beyond where we want continuity. We know what this stuff means to people. And yeah. we're, even though we're walking away, we are now fans. And right. um, the guys that are still there, you know, Damon and Brian and all those guys, they're doing great, Mac, you know, uh, Max and Marty and, and Mitch, they're doing great, great work and, and, and valuable work and, and vital work. Um, but it was just something that I was growing out of because I don't really like the day-to-day grind of, of video game media. It's not, it's not for me anymore. I like working on like long-form pieces, and I liked working on yeah. research and stuff, and I think I'm really one of the few people that was really doing that. You know, there's a, I always give Jason Schreier and a couple other people a shout-out, Matt Leone. Like, like, there's not many of us that really like that, and so the, the audience yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is somewhat thin. Um, but like the day to day, like writing news and previewing, I hate writing previews. You yeah. know, and like and like and that was because it just feels like uh, look at me regurgitate this PR release. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 for me it wasn't even that because I think I was like brutally honest about stuff. But like it was more like what is what what's the value of seeing this vertical slice? I don't know. Like, right. I don't fucking right. Know what this game's gonna be like? So you have to just like be honest and tell people what it is at that time, and that's great. And, and I, I, you know, people are good at that. There's Ryan McCaffrey and guys like that are excellent at that. Tell it just wasn't about- for me. Tell me about meeting Greg for the first time. Because uh, you, <laughs> it's almost the Kirk Spock a little bit moment. Uh, live long and prosper Spock, obviously. Yeah, I met Greg um, July 14th, 2007. You must have, I mean, Greg, first impression, I can only imagine a 10-year less mature Greg. It probably just seems like this big, tall, sort of jovial goof. Yeah, he was... He, so the Greg at that time was 23 or 24, I think 23. Um, he was married. Um, he's fresh out of journalism school. He worked at a newspaper. He was much bigger. Um, he was jovial. Greg's personality has not really changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time we met was at a um, there was this uh, bar, this 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 karaoke bar in South City, South San Francisco called Edna's Ichiban Library. And okay. it was um, a Filipino-run um, karaoke bar where um, people would be your backup dancers and backup singers and stuff oh, like that. No, it was really great. Pretty, it was pretty wild. <laughs> we used to go there sometimes. So a couple of days before I started at IGN, I went to meet up with everyone. Um, Mark Ryan, who's, uh, he's still there. He's like the head of, one of the heads of product there now. He's like actually kind of a big shot. Yeah. Uh, he was at the time the editor of Guides, and he hired me. And uh, Greg and I um, met there at the first the first time, and Hillary Goldstein, who I'm sure some people probably remember, he I works, remember Hillary. Um, yeah. He's worked at Chair and some other things since he then. He had but. Uh, velvet pipes, if I remember. Yeah, had, <laughs> I always remember hearing him announce over videos and thinking, "Oh, who's this dude?" Yeah, he was, he ended up being our editor in chief, and yeah. I think that that was actually the, working under him was like the golden era um, for IGN when I was there, mm-hmm. um, in my opinion. But um, he. 
he and I, like, I was just a young, brash kid when he had met me as an intern, and I had a mohawk and all this kind of stuff. So he had, like, memories of me and being, like, kind of douchey, and I probably was. I was, like, 18 or 19 when I first met him. So I was 22 when I came back, and I, he, me, so we went to Eddie's at Gilbonna Library, and then we went to Denny's. It was just me, Greg, and Hillary, and Hillary's like, uh, Greg's like, man, you're cool. Like, I remember Greg talks a story, too. He's like, you're really cool. Like, Hillary was saying, like, you're a douchebag or whatever, but like, you're a cool guy or whatever. <laughs> and that's how he and I became friends, but we didn't really become... Uh, as tight as we were until he had already he had gotten divorced and uh, which happened mm-hmm. I think in 2008 and uh, and so you were somebody that he leaned on right? yeah I would say so like we have this it's been it's been such a whirlwind Greg's the only person that I've ever met where that I've been around a lot where I don't get tired of him and he's like really one of the coolest and That's most kind hearted and like good dudes out there and he I owe him a great deal um you know, it is, we are like the, we, he always says like, you're the yin to my yang. And it's like, yeah, there is like a brotherhood there. So, I mean, that's how we met. And then it, it kind of just fast forward. I mean, we did all those episodes of Podcast Beyond. We worked together on IGN sure. PlayStation. Um, he the was relationship boss. always feels authentic to me. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's not a put on at all. When we get mad at each other on air, like annoyed with each other, that's also real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so what, how is kind of funny run when Nick, Tim, Colin, and Greg don't agree on something? We vote. Um... But Tell me that that's something you introduced to the system. No, I mean, we have to. I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're technically a corporation, so we do vote on like sure. big issues. But um, there's four of you, right? There, I mean, yeah, Greg owns more of the company, though. Okay. So, um, so he has a bigger say, but um, we we don't have many disagreements. In fact, like, Tim and I were talking about it yesterday that when one of us fucks up or drops the ball, which happens, that there's mm-hmm. always someone there to like lift you up and, and critique it and help you out. Um, so, kind of funny runs. Like a surprisingly well-oiled machine, and I got, and I, I've said it before, but I got to give special props to Nick because I always say Nick's our adult. Um, yeah, he's he's the reason that the company runs, that we yeah. have healthcare, that we have payroll, that we have a bank account, and like he does all the shit that no one wants to do. Um, but there's a lot, you know, what I keep telling people about running this business is that it's not about what you don't know; it's about what you don't know you don't know. Sure. And. Um, the unknown unknowns. Yeah, it's like it's like there are things you know you don't know. I don't know astrophysics, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, there are things beyond astrophysics I don't even know that right. I don't know. But and you guys don't know how you go from a four-person organization to a fifty-person organization, right? right? I mean, we are a five-person organization oh, now because we sorry. made our first hire. But um, <laughs> and there's pressure there now because it's like you want you want to make sure you're doing right by this person. You want sure. like this person now depends on you. This person quit their job. Mm-hmm. To, you know, we we took you know we took him from IGN, and um, well, he came to us from IGN. Um, <laughs> but you cannot steal someone who does not want to leave. In yeah, the no, first place. <laughs> exactly. And, um, you know, th- there's just a lot of pressure to run a business, and and you know, so Nick Nick really is is good about that. But when we have disagreements, we and we do have disagreements about the shows and what we want to do with them, and you know, mm-hmm. I think that the coolest thing we have going for us, it kind of funny, is that we kind of let. Um, the readers and the, well, they're not readers; they're viewers. Sure. And the listeners kind of decide things with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our transparency is like one of the hallmarks of the company. I think people are really appreciating it. Conversation with Collins coming back, for instance, because people want it. Um, Great. We have other decisions that we're making. Based Technically, on, this is the first offbeat episode. Yeah. Of the, the new conversation. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, like it's funny. Conversation with Colin was our first show, and we did like we did like 120 of them or something. And. Wow. Uh, I want, it was my idea to cancel it because I was like, mm-hmm. I'm glad people like it. I'm like, but we, if we only have X amount of production time, 
Right. You can do something better than the show. The show's not right. good. <laughs> right, right. Um, but but we were wrong because we were like we weren't listening to what people wanted. We were trying to do something better. Yeah. And I think that so that's a good example of like people made it loud and clear and we're like fine. We can't do a new show now. Understand that, but <laughs> right, right. We're gonna bring back this show. But you want this, and you're getting it. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna keep giving it to them. What keeps you up at night? Um, a lot of shit. I'm pretty paranoid. Um, <laughs> like, do you like? I mean, do you actively worry about kind of funny? Yeah, every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I feel like you guys have so quickly already kind of reached a level of success, which is far beyond what a lot of other people could do. Sure, but it's about sustaining it, right? Like the, right. the like I worry about I worry about my three colleagues, I worry about and Kevin, I worry about the financial real like ramifications of everything we do. Mm-hmm. I worry about I really really worry about the the listeners and the viewers. Um, sure. Are they happy? That's why I did a, you know, I, that's why I did a survey for our Patreons. Where I'm like, well, are you happy? And what do you, what can we do better? I poured over that stuff. I mean, I asked the guys. I was like, this is really. And we did a podcast based on it. Like we. Right. So I, there's like, a, when you own something, you have to worry about it. If I, if we weren't worried about kind of funny, I don't think we would be doing ourselves any favors. Sure. And I'm, I, I'm sure we wouldn't be doing the viewers any favors either because, kind of funny is good, and it can be better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always worry about what we can do to make it better. So yeah, I, I do toss and turn at night and think about it a lot because. We only have... Kevin Smith said something to us that was really powerful to me. Um, he was like, just to remember that you asked for this. That's what he said to us. Like, he's, like, wow. when you have, when he's like, when you have a problem or a, a, a conundrum or you're out of money or whatever, you're like, you asked for this. Right. You know? Right. And I'm like, that's a really, really good point. It's profound. It's a little aggressive for him to say as well. But, but he was saying, because he was using his own experience as an independent filmmaker to, as an anecdote. Like, he right. could have sold out to a studio and sure. after, after Clerks and did what he wanted to do, but he wanted to stay on his own and do his own thing and his own terms, his own way. And that's yeah. the way we wanted to do it too. But he, when you work at a place like IGN and everything's taken care of, except for like, you know, oh, I'm coming to PAX East, so my hotel's taken care of, I can expense everything. Um, right. Someone else is making my appointments. Uh, my paycheck's going to come because someone's worrying about that. Mm-hmm. I have health care, all these kinds of things. When it's us, it's like, okay, um, if we want to come to PAX East, we need to figure out a sponsorship, Yeah. which we did. We have to... Um, I have a bunch of stuff like I can't expense because if I expense it, it just comes like it's right. not, it's not, it's not. So it's a lot of peanut butter and jellies in there. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like it's that dire because sure. it isn't, but it's like when we're taking a cab, when I used to take a cab at IGN, it's like, well, I'm not, I don't care. Like, right. I'm not paying for this. I don't care if it's I'm going to put an expense report and get it back. Right. But now it's like shit. Like I have $200 worth of cab rides from the last two days. And if I expense it, which we're not going to, then that's yep. just money out of everyone's pocket. That's $50 out of everyone's pockets. Right. So it's like those are the kinds of things you have to worry about when you, when you own a business. And it's like, Again, it's what you don't know you don't know. And, like, the things you don't think you need to worry about. There's something new every fucking day. Like, we, you know, we trademarked kind of funny, and there was just a little error with it, so we had to take care of that. It's like, Jesus Christ. Like, we, like, we, yeah, you don't know, like, you don't, you don't know, like, all the things you have to worry about. Sure. It never ends. What all those people in the gray cubicles do in the corporations. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I, uh, I want to do the lightning round with you. I want you to answer these. Okay. Quickly slash fast as you can. Okay. Don't even think. Favorite dirty word? Fuck. Correct. <laughs> Yellow light, slow down, or speed up? Speed up. Correct. Regular or extra crispy? Extra crispy. Oh, my God. Correct. East Coast or West Coast? East Coast. Yep. <laughs> Worst video game accessory of all time? PlayStation Move. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you think of Morpheus? Um, it's cool. I just don't think it has any commercial viability. It's really cool. Yeah. But I, I don't think that until the this isn't gonna be a quick answer, but until the the problem with Morpheus and Oculus is that they are dependent on processing power from another unit. And so right. processing power is right. on the no one's gonna buy Oculus Rift. Like I, right. I hate I, to tell you this. I didn't like, I didn't even want to wait three hours in line for it. It's like it's really cool tech. Like I, I remember when I played Oculus Rift for the first time in E3, it was like three years ago I played E Valkyrie. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. fucking incredible. You know? Wow. Like it's like a space shooter and like you're in the cockpit and you're looking right, around. You look it's around, like, it's right. incredible. I'm like, this is incredible. But you have to have like a three thousand dollar PC to run that. Right. And if you and if you want Morpheus, you have to have a PlayStation 4. So right. until they can figure out like you know, and, and I'm sure they can do it. It should be very expensive. Like sure. Where the processing power is on the unit, I just don't see the commercial viability of, of Oculus or Morpheus. I agree. That's a really long answer. And they have to make it look like you don't look like a, a 1950s version of RoboCop. Uh, what music's playing when you have a deadline? Uh, I'm really eclectic, but uh, 3.11 is always my go-to. 3.11. Yeah. A product of the early 2000s. Yeah, even earlier than that. Uh, what drinks in your glass when you're brainstorming? Bourbon. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. The book or the movie? The book. I could add the video game to <laughs> uh, Although usually never if it was a book or a movie. Uh, Nazis or Zombies? Um, they're both played out. I think Nazis, could, like in, in terms of fiction, can come back again and be viable. Yes. I asked the Call of Duty guys that. I, I will play a Call of Duty with Nazis back in it. Yeah, Not zombies, in a mode. but Zombies the, are fucking tired, man. They're so tired. Wolfenstein. How, how did that end up being so good, right? Oh, well, yeah. Except for that, that intro. Jesus. No, the intro is bad. Awful. Oh, yeah, the game was good. You called it about the order. You always, you were always. Colin was right. <laughs> Colin was right. Hashtag. Uh, and the final question: Beyond or beyond? Oh, beyond. Beyond. My baby. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. I hope it was helpful. That was great. <laughs>